Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. There's regular money, there's big money, and then there is California pension fund money. Between the CalSTRS and CalPERS retirement funds, we're talking about more than half a trillion dollars in investments. But where should and shouldn't that money go? There's a bill working its way through the California legislature that would forbid these retirement funds from investing in fossil fuels. Today, For our next installment of our collab with the KQED science team, Climate Fix, we're talking about the pros and cons of divestment as a tool to cut emissions here in the state and around the world. That's coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal, and welcome to my colleague from the KQED science team, Laura Cliven. She joins me this morning as part of our collaboration, Climate Fix, where we focus on solutions to global warming. Welcome, Laura. Good morning. So today we're going to be talking about a bill moving through our state legislature that would stop our big retirement funds from investing money in fossil fuels, which some climate experts say is an effective tool to cut emissions, which, of course, California has committed to do. Joining us to talk about that here at the top, we've got Marilyn Waite, the managing director of the Climate Finance Fund, a philanthropic platform that helps to mobilize capital for climate solutions. Welcome, Marilyn. Thank you for having me. And we've got Anaya Sayal, campaign coordinator and lead circle member with Youth versus Apocalypse, a youth-led climate justice group based here in the Bay Area. Welcome, Anaya. Hi. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Um, Laura Clivens, let's start with you, maybe just define the terms here. What is disinvestment? Like, what's it mean? Yeah, it means moving assets out of some kind of business based on ethics or politics or finances. It's the opposite of investment. 
And in this case, it's about moving money out of fossil fuels, oil, gas, and coal. And the idea is to both remove access to capital and to delegitimize or stigmatize companies that have engaged in climate denial and delay. So there's a social component and there's also a financial one. And some examples of uh, places that have done this are the whole of the University of California system, California State Universities, the state of Maine, and just, I think it was last week, the Church of England. Hmm. And when we're looking at these uh, these divestment divestments, Marilyn Waite, I mean, how did this movement really get started, and how has it evolved? Well, the idea of using capital for more than just profit is very ancient, actually, and I would say there are a few examples of divesting coming to prominence. The apartheid regime mm. in South Africa was probably what brought this strategy to the forefront. Um, also, the movement to reduce tobacco use and to get tobacco use out of um, youth, um, that was also a big divestment movement. So this strategy has been used in modern times as well as ancient times in terms of, well, we, we want a profit, that return, but we also need to make sure that our investments are not harming people and planet. Yeah. I mean, how does this kind of dovetail with a lot of that discussion around ESG investing, like environmental social governance investing? So there is a spectrum of investing that would start with incorporating environmental, social, and good governance metrics as a way of managing risk, which just really just is basic common sense investing because investments do not take place in a vacuum outside of society and outside of social and environmental contexts. And that spectrum starts there, and it also um, runs into finding and seeking this positive impact for the environment and for society at large. So there's a wide variety of ESG-style investments, one which is just integration of those risks, and another is really seeking out opportunities that provide those returns and positive impact. So what entities have, like, where, where have we seen really effective divestment campaigns? Well, I would say that the current fossil fuel divestment campaign is quite successful. It is very global. We have over 1,500 financial institutions with over 40 trillion U.S. dollars in assets that have climate-proofed their portfolios, climate-proofing primarily first step is to remove those harmful assets. And it's not only a moral imperative, it is also critical for financial returns. The S&P 500, which is tracking the largest 500 companies listed in the United States, um, if you compare the volatility of that index against um, that volatility with fossil fuels, we're talking about the fossil fuel sector having a volatility of 20%, whereas if you remove that, it's 12%. So fossil fuels are risky and volatile. We also see that when we remove the fossil fuels from that index, it actually outperforms over the past 10 years. So it doesn't make much financial sense to keep pouring capital into this industry, which is already on, hopefully, its way out the door 
if we're going to keep the planet going for the entire economy, for the entire society. And can I jump in, Marilyn? Yeah. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, so $40 trillion is, is a ton of money. Um, but I also talked to another um, climate scientist who was saying, uh, you know, it, it generally the fossil fuel companies can find that money elsewhere. So is like, is the strategy to take apart, you know, to hurt fossil fuel companies through finances? Or is it more of this moral and social uh, harm? Well, it's first and foremost to protect ourselves financially. So this is the people's money. It's pension savers money. It's teachers who are all about preparing future generations for a better, brighter future money, right? This is this is the the sense of the the current bill around Kelsers and CalPERS, right? These two big pension funds. Mm -hmm. And so it is about protecting our returns as savers for our retirement. That is first and foremost, before anything else. It's not primarily about hurting a particular industry or um, any other factor, but this is literally a, a financial and investment calculus first and foremost, because it's about having enough money to retire and making sure that that capital um, is not causing harm to people and planet. Um, so yes, the, the the global capital system is more than just one type of pool of capital. We have venture capital, we have asset management in terms of listed equity. So that, you know, the capital markets, the stock market, fixed income, these bonds. And of course, most importantly, we have bank lending and credit. So we need a all hands on deck, full pronged approach to aligning our capital with sustainability. And that's not just with these stocks, it's also with the bonds and it's also with the bank credit um, and lending policy. So we have to have an all encompassing approach to actually achieve the goal here. We're talking about divestment of fossil fuels in California and SB 252, which we're going to get to, which is proposed legislation to ban the state's largest pension funds from investing in fossil fuels. Joined by Laura Clivens, reporter with KQED, Marilyn Waite, managing director with the Climate Finance Fund, and Anaya Sayal, uh, campaign coordinator and lead circle member of Youth versus Apocalypse. We'd love to hear from you. What are your thoughts on investors divesting from fossil fuels? The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. The email is forum at kqed.org. And of course, you can find us Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum. You know, Laura, I was hoping you could set us up a little bit about SB 252, just to kind of what is this legislation and how would it work? Sure. So as you said, it would ban two state retirement systems from investing their pensions in fossil fuels. And those are CalPERS, which serves public employees, think firefighters, librarians, police officers. It's the largest public pension fund in the nation. And CalSTRS, which represents teachers. And specifically, it would require them to stop investing in fossil fuels at the start of 2024 and to get rid of any assets in fossil fuel companies by 2031. Then the bill also has this provision saying that the boards of the pension funds don't need to take action if it would negatively affect the funds. Um, the bill's authored by State Senator Lena Gonzalez. She's a Democrat representing Long Beach, and she introduced a similar bill um, that died in assembly last year. Got it. So, um, Anaya, I wanted to ask you, how did you get involved in the campaign uh, around 252, and why is this important to you, you and your organization? 
Yeah, so I just want to preface this by saying I'm not an official representative of this bill since Youth versus Apocalypse is not a co-sponsor. Mm-hmm. But the reason that I'm advocating for divestment is that I think it's incredibly ethically and morally wrong that so many teachers are unaware that their money is being invested in something that will harm their own students in the future. These teachers go to work every day and they try their best to give their students an education to provide them with the future what they can provide for themselves. Meanwhile, their retirement funds are being invested in something that would simultaneously prevent their students from having a livable future. Yeah. And are you all, like, what are the sort of actions that you're taking to support the bill? So since I'm not, since my organization is not an official co-sponsor, there's um, a limit to how much we can do. Sure. We've been meeting with senators and assembly people and just trying to advocate for the bill in any way that we can. And in general, you support the idea of divestment as the right way to, for these funds to sort of approach the, the world. Yes, completely, 100%. I think that it's not just important financially, but... Um, We're also trying to take away the social and political license of fossil fuels. And by continuing to invest in them, you're publicly telling people that it's okay to keep this industry running. We're talking about divestment of fossil fuels in California and a bill that's working its way through the legislature that would ban the state's largest pension funds from investing in fossil fuels. Joined by Anaya Sayal, campaign coordinator and a lead circle member with Youth Versus Apocalypse, Marilyn Waite, managing director at the Climate Finance Fund, and Laura Clivens, uh, reporter with KQED. Of course, this is Climate Fix Forum's collaboration with our uh, science team here at KQED. We have um, some question, uh, some comments already uh, coming in. Um, Donald writes, I am the director of First Do No Harm, a campaign for fossil fuel divestment in the health sector. In addition to the profound global health risks associated with fossil fuels, Fossil fuel divestment is a stringent fiduciary responsibility. As the world transitions away from fossil fuels, this is merely a harbinger of things to come. One study found that Colorado state pension plans lost money by not divesting. For so many reasons, we urge CalPERS to divest from fossil fuels. Jane writes in to say, the fastest way to decrease greenhouse gas emissions is to stop burning fossil fuels. Stanford professor Mark Jacobson has demonstrated that we already have the technology to power the world of renewable energy, and what's lacking is the political will to do so. Fossil fuel industry has immense political leverage and is actively presenting this essential transition. By divesting from fossil fuels, which research from BlackRock and Makeda have demonstrated will not hurt the funds, CalSTRS and CalPERDS will be demonstrating that instead of being beholden to the fossil fuel industry, they have the backs of all young people, retired teachers, and public employees. Again, some strong cases for divestment. When we come back from the break, we're going to hear from Marcy Frost, chief executive officer of CalPERS, which is one of the main pension funds at issue in this bill. She's going to talk to us about their approach and whether they think divestment is a good idea. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. 
We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal here with my colleague here at KQED, Laura Clivens, reporter on our science team. We're talking about divestment of fossil fuels in California and a bill working its way through the legislature, SB 252. We're joined by Marilyn Waite, Managing Director of the Climate Finance Fund, Anaya Sayal, Campaign Coordinator and Lead Circle Member with Youth versus Apocalypse. We want to welcome in our next guest. Marcy Frost is the CEO of CalPERS, the retirement system for more than 1.9 million California public sector workers and their families. Thanks for joining us, Marcy. Yeah, thank you for having me. So just to get us started, tell us about how fossil fuels currently fit into the CalPERS investment portfolio. Yeah, thank you. So fossil fuels or the energy sector generally fits into the portfolio, mainly on the public equity side or the public markets, publicly listed companies, obviously would have some exposure in other parts of the assets as well. Mm -hmm. But we essentially hold what we call holding the market. They're, They're a part of the benchmark. They're a part of the way that we passively invest the assets in global equity. And so, you know, any investor can can track the energy sector and we're passively invested in the, in the same type of manner. We do not yet take an active position on um, any uh, sector at this point, but certainly are looking at whether to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, But anyway, we, we hold it passively through a benchmark. All right. And then what is CalPERS' stance on CA-252? What are your top concerns about the bill? So Senate Bill 252 has a couple of components to it. First is starting in January of this year, no new assets from the trust fund could be invested in that sector, about 100 companies in the portfolio. And and then over the course of between today and 2031, I think is the updated uh, date in the bill, we would have to shed the remaining assets and, you know, through the fiduciary responsibilities that we all we all carry. Uh, the problem with uh, divestiture generally is it does narrow the markets, the markets where CalPERS has to invest, has to invest to get a 6.8% return annually. And when we don't hit that 6.8% return, we then have to charge our public employers, pre- predominantly our public employers are paying the unfunded actuarial liability. And they're also paying that 6.8% on, on that total value. And so anytime we narrow the markets, it narrows the opportunity for the investors in the CalPERS investment office to be able to get that, that return. And diversification, if you think about the only free lunch in investing is to have a diversified portfolio. Uh, and that's actually in the Constitution that CalPERS has to have a diversified portfolio that we can't put a full bet in on, you know, something that we think is going to happen in the public markets and not have that done in a diversified manner. What we see in the energy sector over time, the energy sector does act a bit differently. It's not as corollary to some of the other economic conditions that might be happening in the market. So that sector mm-hmm. acts differently than the tech sector, for example. And so that diversification is also something that I think is is really missing. Okay. Uh, and can I- I just clarify something you said. So when 
when there is not money to make up um, for that 6.8% return, you said the the public employers are, uh, they are the ones responsible for it. And, and ultimately, is that us taxpayers because these are public jobs? It, it is. Yeah, it's okay. your, it's local cities, counties, special districts who are picking up the largest portion of that tab. Mm. And so what do you think of divestment as a strategy for reducing emissions? So I don't think divestiture of a sector makes sense for a CalPERS organization. And again, this is not an endorsement of the energy sector. We firmly believe they can do more. And I think our voice really matters in that conversation. And having those private and sometimes public engagements, that things are not moving fast enough in the energy transition. That's what a CalPERS or a CalSTRS can, can really put on the table. But it doesn't mean at some point in our path to being net zero by 2050, we've made a commitment there. We're getting ready to go to our July board offsite where we will share with our board the path to net zero by 2050, but also what we intend, what we intend to have happen in the portfolio between now and 2030. So it doesn't mean that we wouldn't say, through our personal and private engagements, if we don't believe that a company is really fulfilling the commitments that they've made to an investor like CalPERS, that we wouldn't underweight that particular company and overweight another company where we have a lot more confidence that the risk is being managed appropriately for the assets that we're putting into that particular company. But diversifying or, or divestiture from an entire sector is, is a kind of a sledgehammer approach in, in a $460 billion uh, portfolio. It's very difficult to understand what the unintended con consequences might be. You know, I think yeah. these, these things are all well-intended, but well-intentions can have really bad outcomes. Right. And, and so... Um... So if the fund does not believe in divestment, I mean, there have been instances where CalPERS has chosen to divest in the past, right, from things like firearms and tobacco. Um, those are sort of broad strokes as well, right? Yes, those are uh, much smaller in nature. This bill actually has about $9.4 billion in assets that would need to come out of the portfolio, a much, much larger uh, you know, uh, sector than anything that's ever been divested from in the past. Even, if, even tobacco when you all divested from there? Yes, correct. Even tobacco. But let's look at tobacco. I think tobacco is a, a great illustration for the point that I'm trying to make is that the tobacco, when uh, the board divested from tobacco a little over 10 years ago now, they have to do this five year fiduciary review analysis. It comes back to the board every five years to make sure that it still fulfills their fiduciary responsibility to the fund. So at the time, there were, were a lot of assumptions about tobacco that, you know, that, you know, economists and investors felt that the commodity, that particular co commodity was going to reduce in value over time. But it has not reduced in value over time. We still have a net loss of $4 billion in the portfolio related to that divestment. Right. And my understanding is that was the only one, though, that has resulted in, of, of the other things that CalPERS has divested from, the only one that's negatively impacted the fund is the tobacco divestment, right? And there's been other yeah. divestments like from South Africa, apartheid, from coal, uh, from firearms. Yes. Yeah, so it's the one that has the biggest loss, but depending again on market cycle. Uh, some of those have had you know times where we were better being out and then some periods of time where we were worse for being out. Mm, but overall, okay. generally, there's been a you know a fairly less than volatile path. Um, but tobacco is, is the one that's had more volatility. So I'm curious about sort of the other side of this. Like when you have stayed invested in companies. And I know that, you know, CalPERS has been pushing on things like board diversity. It's been pushing on things like the compensation of, of CEOs. And it seems like there's been some real measurable success 
using your kind of engagement tactics to increase things like board diversity. Do you have similar evidence that those measures are working to decrease, you know, fossil fuel uh, uh, emissions or to advance the deployment of clean energy within, you know, an existing fossil fuel company? Yeah. So this, you know, energy transitions take decades and, you know, unfortunately, I think we're still on the front end of the energy transition from heavy reliance on oil and gas to more of a reliance on renewable and cleaner uh, technology. And so we're still in the very beginning uh, stages of this. We're still trying to get the data, right? So we're still trying to understand what are the emissions, what are the actual emissions from the public companies where we invest, as well as the private companies and where we invest. That's why we're a very strong advocate in the regulatory environment to push these mandatory disclosures for scope one emissions, scope two emissions, and then also scope three, where, where we can get them and where it's material. Only if it's material. So not, scope three is not material to every, every company. But we're still at that beginning phase of understanding where the data is. We need that data to make that decision that I described earlier, where we don't believe that this company is actually managing the risks based on the capital that we've given them. And so we want to underweight that company until either they catch up or they really just fall off, frankly. Um, but we're, again, we're, you know, this transition should have started far, far long ago. There were a lot of commitments made, verbal commitments, but not a lot of really uh, strong action. But I will say that our engagement around, you know, co co-minded, like-minded, uh, limited partners uh, in the private equity industry, like a CalPERS, CalSTRS, um, and companies in particular, the energy transition, people know that transition has to happen. There still needs to be a lot of consumer demand that will push that energy transition far more quickly, but we have to build the infrastructure. We have to build, you know, the network for, you know, electric vehicles, for the energy grids to run, you know, 24 hours a day on clean energy. That's where we see investment, not divestment. That's where we see investment opportunities for an entity like CalPERS. And so investing in infrastructure, investing in real assets, investing in private equity, equity where there's this clean energy play. And we're doing that today, in addition to using our voice to really push these companies a bit to ask the, the tough questions. What are your greenhouse gas emissions? Uh, when are you going to report scope one, scope two, scope three in a reliable, auditable uh, mm -hmm. format? So I think there's a lot of work there. And then Exxon, I, you know, one of the uh, activist campaigns, the shareholder campaigns that CalPERS did sign on to uh, that was run by Engine One, uh, put independent board members on the Exxon board. Uh, that for the first time, that shareholder campaign was successful and there are independent board members there. So one thing, you know, hearing you talk about these data issues and that different companies report data in different ways around uh, emissions and their energy goals. I mean, do you see that as an argument for or against divestment, though? Because if it's so, if the data issues are such that you can't make informed decisions, might it be better to just leave the field? Yeah, leaving the field, again, could be what I described earlier really good intentions, really bad outcomes. The data is really what we need to understand whether that risk is being, you know, uh, managed, whether that risk is being, you know, accountable to the shareholders of that particular company. So it's very difficult for an investor of the size that we have, the commitments and the liabilities we have just to say, well, we're just going to make this decision and we don't know the outcome that we really cannot perform that uh, type of decision or action and fulfill the fiduciary duty that not only our board has, and there's personal liability on this fiduciary standard. The United States has the strongest fiduciary standard in the world. Yeah. And so I know I hear a lot of things about, or a lot of questions around, well, other funds have divested from oil and gas. And that may be true, but the 
you know, the economics of these systems are quite different. Uh, for example, the rate of return that's expected at a CalPERS or CalSTRS is very different than what the rate of return is expected in some of the Dutch pension plans or even the Canadian pension plans. And so you really have to look at the set of data that you have in front of you and how do you make sure that you're fulfilling that fiduciary duty to pay these benefits to 2 million members for their lifetimes. That's job one. It's really the only job. So we've got a lot of different retirees and things calling in, commenting. Um, let's just try and get one on with you here. We've got uh, Diana in Oakland. Welcome, Diana. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good, good morning. Um, should I just make a short comment? Yeah, go for it. Go for it, Diana. You're on. Uh, yes. In terms of assessing risk, uh, we know that the climate risk is the strongest risk, and that will impact uh, the pensions and the volatility of the fund. Um, and we don't have much time to turn things around. Um, when I look at CalSTRS, I am a CalSTRS uh, pension beneficiary. I'm a retired science teacher. And when I look at the CalSTRS uh, documents, they have a lot, a lot of documents on the ESG risks. Uh, fossil fuels are clearly in uh, within those ES ESG risks. Um, these risky investments uh, make a product which is detrimental to human health, they deplete and reduce air quality and water quality. They don't manage resource usage. They contribute to the impacts of climate change. So to me, uh, divestment is clearly consistent with the fund's fiduciary duty. Thank Marcy? You. Thank yeah, you, Diana. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank mm -hmm. you, Diana, and congratulations for having access to a, a defined benefit pension. Not, uh, you know, a lot of workers have access to that anymore in the private sector. Um, so again, I think it just goes back to, you know, we're not endorsing oil and gas companies per se by having assets invested with them. We don't necessarily disagree with the comments uh, that Diana made, that this is something that has to happen over time. It has to be a just energy transition. You talk about stranded assets. We don't want to strand people and jobs either. And so energy transitions take decades to ha have happen. And we're really at the beginning, unfortunately, of this energy transition. But we have to make sure that, one, that we are protecting the assets of the trust fund in the best way that we can, but also pushing this transition uh, faster than what we see the current trajectory. And I think that takes these strong investors. This is three quarters of a trillion dollars of investment sitting in the state of California and Sacramento, California. That Those voices can be quite loud in pushing this transition to happen far, far sooner than what it is anticipated to happen today. You know, one uh, listener writes in to support you, Thor writes, I heard a report indicating that keeping money in the fossil fuel companies may be more effective at moving brown companies, quote, brown companies to be greener. Maintaining investment allows stockholders to influence boards of directors to do the right thing. Green companies will be green anyway. Brown companies need nudging or kicking from responsible stockholders. Sounds like what you're saying. Um, another comment from Anne. Actually, this is really a, a question for you, Marcy. Isn't it up to the members of CalPERS and CalSTRS to make this decision? So the members of the pension plan uh, do elect a board of directors, uh, you know, to watch out for the, you know, the pension pensioners, if you will, or the active employees, the employers, the fiduciary duty is really to the membership, the exclusive benefit of the members, but they are the representatives of all the various membership groups. So when these elections are run, and frankly, there's a very low turnout on these elections, really encourage people to pay attention to these elections and make sure that you've got someone on that board is representing the interests that you have, that we do it for the active employers, the retiree seat was just filled, uh, local government, uh, school employees, 
uh, state employees are all represented on our board through a trustee that carries that fiduciary duty. So the board is the one who has the authority to determine the investment policy. But determining the investment policy all has to be done within the constraints of fiduciary responsibility of which they get training on every year. It's, it's a very critical part of the system. And again, I, I mentioned that there is personal financial liability if they act outside, out, outside of what's called the prudent person rule. And that's essentially that you know another person, reasonable prudent person would make the same decision based on the process and the data that was presented for, for making that decision. But uh, you are represented on this board through uh, the trustees. I wanted to bring it back in Marilyn Waite, Managing Director with the Climate Finance Fund. Marilyn, as you've been listening, what do you think we've been leaving out of this conversation about divestment? Uh, thanks for that. Um, so right now, U.S. Treasuries are around 5% giving return. So if we can't find the 1.8% extra above that currently, then I think we need some changes in the investors and the decision makers within CalPERS and CalSTRS. Um, there, there have been uh, many, many reports and data that shows that fossil fuels are just a bad investment. And yes, it depends on which years you choose to um, to have the the analysis made. But we're talking about pension funds over the long term in perpetuity for the saver. So this has to be aligned with the short, medium, and long term, which all align for we cannot have fossil fuels in the systems. And there's no rationale given all of the investment opportunities available in all the different asset classes to pour these tens of billions into a dying industry. Why are we continuing to harm um, not only the planet, not only the savers, but also the retirement savings of these savers. So yes, there are lots of examples of this happening globally. The Netherlands, APB, the fifth largest pension uh, pension fund, um, much bigger than CalPERS and CalSTRS at 600 billion US dollars in assets, um, is divesting from fossil fuels and is finding um, uh, a complete alignment with meeting their fiduciary duty and having these returns in that context. Marcy, we know we only got you for uh, you know one more minute. Um, you want to give us your your final thought on what happens if this bill does pass? What will you all do? Yeah. So if the bill passes, the board it still does not release the board from its fiduciary responsibility to to look at the impacts of divestiture. I did share some initial numbers with the board uh, last Thursday in my CEO report that we would anticipate a 4.4 bips loss uh, over time, which is about $385 million loss per year. You multiply that out over 20 years and you're in the billions of dollars pretty quickly. And so, you know, diversification and just- A lot of assumptions baked into that kind of 20 year forecast though, right? There are, are assumptions, but these are investor assumptions yeah. and it, right, they're investor assumptions. Yeah, sure. Um, Marcy Frost, CEO of CalPERS, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate the fact that you came on and were able to really talk about this with this kind of depth. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. We'll be back with more about the divestment of fossil fuels in California in SB 252. Joined by Laura Clivens, reporter at KQED, Marilyn Waite, and Anaya Sayal. Stay tuned. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. 
Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. We're talking about divestment from fossil fuels in California and prospective legislation that's moving through the state legislature that would ban the state's largest pension funds from investing in fossil fuels. Joined by my colleague from the KQED science team, Laura Clivens. We're also joined by Marilyn Waite, Managing Director with the Climate Finance Fund, philanthropic platform that helps to mobilize capital for climate solutions, and Anaya Sayal a campaign coordinator and lead circle member with Youth versus Apocalypse. Earlier, we were joined by Marcy Frost, CEO of CalPERS, one of the pension funds that, at issue here. Um, Anaya, I wanted to ask you how you see divestment in this kind of larger strategy or you know set of tactics that could reduce emissions. Yeah, I think that divestment is essential um, at this point in the climate crisis. And um, I think that it's great that Marcy brought up the tobacco industry because um, yes, they did divest, but they divested really late from tobacco. And at that point, tobacco value had went down in the stock market. So if they had sold it when it was valuable, they wouldn't have lost money. And fossil fuels are valuable right now, and they're going to lose value over time since it's fluctuating rapidly. So it's essential that they divest now. And in the future, renewable energy is going to become a more primary energy source, which is going to make fossil fuels obsolete. Yeah. You know, um, Marilyn, one thing that I was thinking about is that, you know, a lot of the big, you know, oil and gas companies have kind of rebranded as energy companies. And they say that they've, you know, supported um, various types of energy development through time. I mean, is that a reason to, for from your perspective, to keep money in those companies because they are beginning to maybe invest uh, large sums of money in you know renewable energy? No. So expecting a fossil fuel company to become a renewable energy company is like expecting the tobacco company to become a chocolate company. It just doesn't work. It is not in their DNA. Um, disruption innovation of this magnitude always comes from the outside. And so the energy sector today is actually not just the fossil fuel industry. It is also the renewable energy industry. It is essentially all of the companies listed in the Carbon Collective Climate Index, which is all of the top uh, publicly listed US companies that are pure play climate solutions. So we have a robust a set of publicly listed companies that are helping the climate crisis. They have solutions. They're in storage, they're in renewable energy, they're in agriculture, they're in land use, they're in battery technology, they're in transportation. 
So it runs the gamut across across the sector, including renewable energy, which is, by the way, yes, an energy sector. So I think the engagement that this, this strategy of, well, we won't pull out our money from this company, but we'll talk to the company, talk to the leadership and influence it to change. Well, that can work for certain cases. So by all means, engage with Tesla to help it become more socially just embed diversity, equity, inclusion, and have more labor rights. By all means, let's do that. But trying to engage the fossil fuel industry and oil and gas company to become a completely different animal is just not feasible. And every institution that has tried this over the long run has given up, including that example I gave from the Netherlands of APB. They just said, it is ineffective for this industry. We can no longer pursue the engagement strategy. Mm-hmm. I am. Um, that's going to stick with me. The one, the uh, tobacco to chocolate <laughs> analogy. Um, I want to go to a comment now uh, from Avery, who writes, I've been working on impact investing for over a decade, and divestment is absolutely one critical strategy, but it is also important what pension funds put their money into. Institutional investors like pension funds can legitimize new or smaller funds or indexes. With the assets being removed from fossil fuel energy sector investments, will there be new indexes that those assets are deployed to? What do you think, Marilyn? Yes, absolutely. We we already have a, a, a number of indexes that are completely um, fossil fuel free, deforestation free, aligned with um, climate friendliness and other environmental and social socially friendly products and services. Um, one of them is called Sphere, or if you go to our, OurSphere.org, um, it's listed. It's SPFFX. Um, it is, you know, very low cost at seven basis points. So it's appropriate for the retirement space, the 401k, the 403b, but that's not the only one. There are a number of mutual funds and ETFs on the marketplace that are fulfilling this need. Let's go uh, back to the phones here. Uh, Mark in Oakland, welcome. Hi. Hey, Mark. Can you hear me? Yeah, sure can. Yeah, um, I'm I'm wondering, I'm a a retired faculty member of the University of California. And um, my understanding is that um, our um, retirement savings program totally divested of fossil fuels um, over a year ago. And from what I've seen, there hasn't been any adverse financial effect on Yeah, Mark, it's a a great point. I think um, I'm looking at a release here from the UC Office of the President from uh, May 2020, and I think that's when they finished the divestment. That's right, isn't it, Marilyn? Well, that's my understanding. This is Laura. Sorry, not Marilyn, if you want to jump in. My understanding was in June 22, but in any case. Yeah, and you know, other a bunch of other universities have done this as well. A lot of a lot of that has come from students pushing for that. You know, Harvard was an interesting example. Um, for a, more than a decade, students were pushing for that, and and they they divested. I think it was last year. Hey, thank you so much for that uh, that question, Mark. And I mean, I think, Laura. I mean, one of the things that I, I think we're seeing is that as more and more institutions do this divestment, there's the the path is being forged, right? I mean, there are the pieces of the infrastructure, like Marilyn was just mentioning, which are coming into play to make this an easier jump, perhaps, although, you know, CalPERS and CalSERVs are such scale that maybe it's a kind of a different beast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, let's uh, take um, Deborah in Berkeley. Welcome. Hi, my name is Deborah Moore, and I live in Berkeley, like you said. Uh, and I'm my background is as a scientist. I have a master's from UC Berkeley. I currently work for an organization called Third Act, and this was founded by Bill McKibben about 18 months ago. And we represent older Americans age 60 and up uh, to protect our climate and safeguard our democracy because these two things are so intimately connected. And we have about 5,000, more than 5,000 members in California, many of whom are retirees and many of whom are CalSTRS and CalPERS beneficiaries. And we are supporting SB 252 for many of the great reasons that have already been said. And I guess I just wanted to add a few things that I haven't heard. Um, one is that we are already experiencing climate extremes here in California from fires to floods and you know back again. These are costing us incredibly in lives and also dollars. And our state has mandated that we cut fossil fuel emissions. And so I find it particularly mm-hmm. hypocritical, I guess, to have our state's pension funds using taxpayer dollars uh, to then invest in the very fossil fuels that are powering the climate extremes that we are all suffering from. And the LA Times editorial board last week endorsed SB 252. And a couple quotes really just struck me very powerfully. They said, helping to fund the destruction of our environment is insanity. Profiting from it makes us complicit. Business as usual is simply untenable. And the Deborah, other things I, that I have not yet heard today. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. I'll pause there. Can I, I ask you a, a quick follow up, Deborah, on that? So, um, I mean, right. We're talking about the divestment directly from fossil fuel companies. And my understanding of Third Act, and you can expand on this, is that you all are also targeting banks that that fund the fossil fuel companies, right? So this is another approach of divestment. Can you expand a little bit? on sort of the theory behind that? Sure. I think, uh, yes, you're right. We we are trying to have a fossil-free finance sector. So mm-hmm. there are many, many parts to our financial system. Um, you know, we have investments, we have banks, we have insurance companies, you know, retirement funds, private equity, et cetera. So there's many, many parts to the financial system, and Third Act has been taking a lead on kind of the commercial banks, the big four, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase, and Citibank. Um, But we're part of a big movement, and other parts of the movement are targeting other parts of the financial Mm -hmm. sector, including insurance companies, including pension funds, including private investments, et cetera, you know. Yeah, yeah, because I think... huge institutions, and we can't do it all. Right, right. I just, it, I'm just thinking of the visuals things, from the from that campaign you all had in March where you had a bunch of folks sitting in rocking chairs to protest and and sort of <laughs> taking a, um, yeah. a, I think, a jackhammer or some sort of uh, saw to a, a large replica of a credit card for one of the big banks. Oh, wow. So <laughs> wow. just trying to fit you in where I've seen, yeah. seen that action. 
Deborah, thank you so much uh, for for that call. Um, you know, we have another uh, comment from Russ who writes in to say, one can support the quickest switch possible to renewable energy while acknowledging the fact that we're so addicted to fossil fuels that we will need them for decades to come. There'll be millions of gasoline cars on the road for many years to come, even as EVs become more popular. There's too much plastic in our economy. But look around you. Plastic is in everything, and transitioning away from that will be challenging. Anaya, I thought maybe you could respond to this from your perspective as a young person, you know, younger than you can even vote um, at this point, and how you see that kind of argument. So I think it's actually important to consider um, the research studies that have been conducted that show that CalPERS and CalSTRS actually would have made more money if they had divested by now. Um, there's a study by the University of Waterloo, and that said between 2013 and 2022, they would have made $9.6 billion more. And another study by Corporate Knights said that between 2009 and 2019, they would have made $17.4 billion more. And both of these total to several thousand dollars per beneficiary. So I think that the answer is clear and that it's right in front of us. And I think that the fact that um, these companies are still prioritizing profits over people is insane to me. Yeah. But if you do, you know, to, to answer Russ's question directly, um, you know, we do see that we have all of these existing systems. Um, what if they can't change as fast as you'd like to see them change? The fossil fuel corporations? Yeah, the fossil fuel corporations that, you know, end up being really like the suppliers to our our plastic economy and, you know, gasoline cars that, as, you know, Russ noted, are still on the road. Yeah, I think that cars and things like that, that's just a completely different, that's a separate topic from divestment. Mm -hmm. And it's not like we're asking people to go out of business and never sell another drop of oil. This is about having our state not connected to the fossil fuel industry. And yes, it might not happen at a rapid pace, mm -hmm. but what's important is that we act on it as soon as possible because the issue is just going to continue to worsen. Yeah. Thank you for that, Anaya. You know, Kate, uh, one of our listeners, Kate, has a question. I thought maybe we could uh, send this one to you, uh, Marilyn. It's, she writes, I wonder if CalPERS could agree to disinvest over a longer period, 10 years or more, to prevent the unintended consequences uh, being discussed? Like, how, how do you see that timeline? I think, actually, um, uh, Anaya said it well earlier in that now is the time to get out. Now that, you know, there's been this crisis, um, invasion, war happening in Ukraine, and that has caused all kinds of disruption in the oil and gas industry, um, that has driven up prices and so on. They've been making a lot of profits. Now is the time you want to, you know, buy. Or you sorry, you want to sell when it's high, um, and so that you can get out and um, reallocate those funds to more sustainable, um, longer-term um, bets. Even like I, even some short-term bets, like I was saying with U.S. Treasuries, which are you know providing pretty good returns, um, you know, compared to the the target for these pension funds. So I think actually now is a time. I think waiting would actually be a much riskier strategy, not only for our overall health and prosperity, but also just purely financially. Let's take uh, one last caller. We've got uh, Mahendra in Oakland. 
Hello, can y'all hear me? Yeah, sure can. Go ahead. Yeah, so I was wondering, um, have y'all thought about, like, say, for example, the research of E.C. Quigley out of Cambridge on universal ownership? So the basic idea here is that, like, let, let's say like a, I'm an, a large institutional investor and I only have, like, a few investments and, like, one of them is big oil, right? Well, from a profit-making incentive, it obviously makes sense that if I would just, like, say, burn, baby, burn, like, you know, I want to maximize our profits if, you know, you're talking only from a profit-making uh, perspective, right? But let's say you're a large institutional investor that is has a diversified portfolio, you know. Like a like, CalPERS, tracking, sure. Yeah, yeah, like CalPERS tracking global uh, capitalization, you know, uh, market capitalization, indexing, whatnot, right? In that case, not only do you own, like, say, the oil companies, but you also own, like, say, health uh, insurance companies and things of that nature, right? So from your profit-making perspective, just for profit-making incentive, you know, the externalized costs that the oil company makes, uh, those get borne by the other companies in your in your portfolio. And so if there's not a profit incentive to vote. Uh, so when you're voting, you know, you know, at using your shareholder votes for the oil company, you're going to use it in a manner that would say, hey, okay, you need to pollute less because you're going to minimize my profits in these other companies. Mm. Uh, and so... Uh, right, just kind of recognizing like the interconnected nature of the investments that they have. Yeah, exactly. And that- so, yeah, so when you're a large institutional investor like the pension fund, it's in your incentive to use your vote, not to just give up your citizenship and not vote, but to, to use your vote. And you're, you have a huge financial impact, and you can actually have conversations and actually change, like they did before uh, getting some uh, independent invest, uh, uh, board members on Exxon. That, you know, this is like what EC Quigley's arguing for is basically the idea that, mm. like, taking account that you're a large, diversified investor, it's in your profit incentive to, mm. you know, to basically have the ESG in line because of the, the externalized uh, risk become internalized yeah. by the other companies in the portfolio. Oh, that's a it's a it's a really interesting point, Mahendra. Thank you uh, so much. I mean, there's a lot of different ways of approaching how to get in or get out of these uh, uh, these energy companies. Um, Anaya, we wanted to ask you, uh, give you the final word here on what you think is going to happen to uh, this bill, SB two fifty two. I think that it's probably going to go for um, another year. And I honestly can't speak that much on it because I'm not an official representative. Um, but if you're interested, you can contact Senator Gonzalez's office. Mm-hmm. But my personal stance about divestment, just because I realized I didn't really address the um, my stance as a youth, is that I'm turning 18 next year and I'm going to be able to vote in this state. And I've grown up hearing about California being this climate leader, but I think it's hypocritical to call ourselves a leader and still tie our public systems to fossil fuels so strongly. Yeah. We've been talking about divestment, fossil fuels in California in this bill, joined by Anaya Sayal, campaign coordinator and lead circle member with Youth versus Apocalypse. Thanks for joining us, Anaya. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Also joined by Marilyn Waite, Managing Director with the Climate Finance Fund. Thank you, Marilyn. Thank you. And of course, been joined by Laura Clivens, colleague here at KQED and a reporter here at the station. Thank you so much, Laura. Yeah, thank you, Alexis. Earlier, we were joined by Marcy Frost, Chief Executive Officer of CalPERS. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with guest host Marisa Lagos. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation,
the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. 